Coming up in this podcast, New State Government, Alinta Energy, Domgas and ICT. Welcome to Mark My Words, the weekly podcast from Business News, with Mark Panel and Mark Beyer discussing the important business news and data stories from Western Australia. Welcome to our weekly podcast. Uh, and just before we get into it, um, for those of you who are listening and subscribing to us on iTunes, if you can leave us a review, it really helps others find us, and we'd really appreciate it. It helps us keep enthusiastic about this product. Now, Mark Beyer, big week. We have a new state government led by Labor's Mark McGowan, another Mark. We like to see that uh, our era is uh, thriving, um, or our generation, I should say. His first test was picking a cabinet, who got what and who missed out. Yeah, look, a momentous week in politics. He's uh, Mark McGowan is looking very sprightly, very fresh, very enthusiastic. Interesting to see how long that lasts after he gets into the grind of running government. Hmm. Key people on his team. I mean, Mark himself has taken a pretty big workload. He's got state development, um, jobs and trade, federal state relations. He says he's a workaholic and he loves hard work, and that'll be tested. Hmm. Uh, Ben Wyatt uh, is treasurer as expected, plus he's taken the energy portfolio. Uh, Rita Safiotti will be another key minister in the planning and transport field. She'll look after Metronet. Um, Alana McTiernan is really the only new person that wasn't in the old shadow cabinet. She's got regional development and agriculture, so big review of royalties for regions and all that spending on the cards. So they're some of the key people on the team. Um, Look, it's a pretty good, solid group of people there, but there's also this concern about the large number of unionists and the very large union influence and we all know the unions played a big role in funding and supporting the Labor campaign. And yeah, that's, that's a, a serious concern. Uh, Mark McGowan says, oh, lots of people from all sorts of backgrounds. Fact is, the unions are very strongly represented. Of course, on the other side, the Liberals have been decimated. I think about seven ministers from the old government have lost their positions, um, plus Brendan Grills has gone. And I've always said... To get good government, you should have a really strong opposition to keep them on their toes. And that's something that's going to be really difficult over the next four years. Yeah, it's uh, a shocking outcome, really. I don't think anyone quite anticipated Labor getting, was it 41 seats, I think, is now anticipated. Uh, And I guess the Liberals with their own leadership issues, uh, Joe Francis, for instance, um, not making it. Uh, at Janicott, losing that seat. That, that's uh, kind of left things up in the air. So I think Mike Nahan now is just the, the natural replacement for the, what do you call that, just, just holding time whilst they kind of get themselves in order, presumably. Well, almost. The only one left. Yeah. Lisa Harvey could have had the job, but doesn't want it. Yeah, that's, uh, that's intriguing given her position. But, you know, maybe she wants to bide her time and let the dust settle. We'll see. Now, uh, Mark McGowan uh, jumped at the sale of Alinta Energy to a Hong Kong company uh, this week as a reason as why privatisation is bad, a big theme in the election campaign. Is he right? Well, it's been fascinating to see. Alinta has had a uh, quite extraordinary range of ownership since it was privatised back in 2000 by the court government. Mark McGowan's comment was, uh, these things always end up in foreign hands that's necessarily a bad thing. Well, of course, Alinta Energy, until now, has been in foreign hands. 
been owned by a bunch of private equity groups, including TPG, big group out of the US. Um, they've had a, a very disruptive ownership history. You know, they got bought out before the GFC by Babcock and Brown. Babcock and Brown went bust, huge restructuring. Before that, they were listed on the stock market. I think what you see is that in some extreme cases, an owner can add value or, in fact, may detract from the business. But in most cases, the Alinta business, particularly here in Western Australia, has just been ticking over. And I think the core thing from a consumer perspective and a customer perspective is what is the regulatory framework? And this was the debate for Western Power as well. Mm. Yeah, ownership is one thing, but far more important is what's the regulatory framework and what's the market discipline? So I found that frustrating that that got lost amidst this emotive debate about privatisation. Yeah, well, you know, I think going into a campaign with a privatisation message is always a bit dangerous. And look, just one little reminder, Bank West was privatised in the 90s and it is Australian-owned. It was foreign-owned for a while, but it's now Australian-owned, so hmm, I'm not sure Mr McGowan is correct. Uh, but back on the energy front, uh, it's been intriguing, really, to see the energy crisis occupying so much time over east, I mean, including the federal government, the prime minister. Um, WA has a, had its own crisis about a decade or so ago. Now, it looks like we found a solution. Why haven't the other states taken heed? Yeah, look, as you say, um, some years ago, there was a, a really serious concern that local industry would not be able to get enough gas to power all of their businesses, uh, particularly people like um, Alinta, uh, sorry, Alcoa, with their alumina refineries, very concerned about it. And yet, according to a report out just last week from EnergyQuest, uh, domestic gas production in Western Australia has hit a new record. Mm. Second year in a row, it's at record levels. So we've got this good scenario here where there's uh, plentiful reserves to power the LNG projects, plus there's increasing supply coming into the domestic market. Now, the gas reservation policy, basically saying 15% has to be reserved for the domestic market, that's never really been tested. But what you found in practice is that industry is aware of that in the background, has heeded that. Mm. And so now you've got the big Gorgon LNG project. They've got a domestic gas plant. They're now supplying the domestic market. Uh, you've got Quadrant Energy, uh, you've got BHP, Northwest Shelf still supplying the domestic market. So it's a, a pretty good outcome here mm. uh, you know, compared to the East Coast where the big LNG projects have effectively oversold their gas reserves. They're now buying from the domestic suppliers to meet their export commitments and lay it over that is this state government crackdown on gas exploration. Yeah, crazy stuff. And, uh, I mean, I was intrigued by those numbers, how WA is the biggest user of gas in the country. You know, I I was surprised by that, actually. Um, But it just shows, if you think back a decade ago, the local users of gas were screaming about, I mean, I think prices had quadrupled or something. They'd had a long time with the Northwest Shelf and the pipeline coming down here. They'd had a good, lazy supply of gas. It was a take-or-pay contract that the state government kind of had had accepted decades ago to get that built. Um, but we don't hear that screaming anymore. Now, maybe prices have come, the supply and demand has, has reached an equilibrium that's acceptable to both sides. It certainly appears that way. And I, I guess, why didn't they think of that over east when they gave approvals to all these gas plants? 
and as you say, after that, stopped so much gas um, exploration, including in Victoria, where they've got an existing oil and gas industry, and they can do onshore conventional gas, not fracking, conventional gas. They're not even allowing that to happen. It's crazy. And I will say one tick for the South Australian government in these policies that have come out, one tick, because I think most of the, what they've done over the last decade or so has been pretty disastrous, as we've seen. They are suggesting that farmers can get a cut of the royalty stream that would come from gas from their land. And I think that's a big positive. In the end, this anti-fracking thing and anti-conventional gas drilling onshore can only be solved if the landowners get a part of it, because otherwise, what's the incentive for them to have people come on their land and potentially put things at risk? There is some risk involved. You need to get by, um, cut them into the deal. There you go. There's my opinion. <laughs> um, Mark, information and communications technology, ICT, uh, is one of the growth areas of business in this state. Now, you have a special report on that sector, so we're moving away from energy now. What are the trends you've observed in that fascinating area? Yep. Okay. You know, I think if you go back a number of years, a lot of business people saw technology as a cost for their business. It's now got to a point where increasingly people see it as a driver of improvement in their business. Everyone is continually looking for better efficiency, better productivity, and so the business executives are driving the application of technology to help achieve those outcomes. So a lot of people in the ICT sector in WA are in a good space at the moment because they're contributing to those improvements. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a pretty positive mood out there. It really is a growth area. And on top of that, the state government has this GovNext reform program, which is all about getting the state government to be a lot smarter in the way that they use ICT services. One aspect of that that I've looked into in some detail is the use of data centres. This is all tied up with sort of co-location and redundancy and cloud computing and cloud storage. There's new requirements which effectively mean that three of the big players are poised to win a very large increase in market share in that data centre space. So I've spoken to those people, including a new player in the WA market, Peer DC. They've got a, a new setup out at Canningvale. Some big money being invested here. And interesting news, Fujitsu, one of the established players, they're investing big as well to try and protect their market share. So some really lively uh, changes happening in what's become a, a very important part of business. Yeah, right. And that's good to see, isn't it? A bit of capital investment, that's what we like. And also, they're quite high-end jobs, aren't they? They're good, steady, you know, you, you need to have some skills to be yep. working in that sector. Um, well, look, uh, just a reminder, first of all, that our BNIQ search engine has 90,000 articles, 8,500 companies and 27,000 people on it. Um, and you can do advanced searches to find companies by the number of employees, by revenue, and you can search people by roles. Um, and also, another reminder, we did mention this last week, but I'm told I got my date wrong, so I'm going to give you the correct date, Thursday the 6th of April at the Convention Centre, the World Wide Web Conference Breakfast with Business News. We've got senior people from LinkedIn, Google, and other global tech companies that change the world. Um, you can get tickets at Business News, and uh, the conference itself starts, I believe, a couple of days earlier than that. So... If you get a ticket, 
to our breakfast, you get a discount if you want to attend the conference as a whole as well. Um, So the ticket almost pays for itself. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Mark My Words with Mark Powell and Mark Beyer from Business News. For more information, please go to businessnews.com.au forward slash podcasts. And to receive these regularly, search for Business News WA in iTunes or SoundCloud.